When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, y'all? It's J.D. Piquel. Welcome into the Hard Count. This is the People Show. So every single thing that you know about college football and also that you love about college football, this is your show. Nick Brake does the heavy lifting. So all the production, the bells and whistles, everything that looks good around here, he's doing that. Y'all can help drive the show. So when you subscribe to the channel, we get a better gauge for what you want to see. So I would encourage you to subscribe and do that and come visit us on a daily basis. We are live right now in Living Color, but we do content on a daily basis. Like I just mentioned, short form videos, topical, something breaks, come right back here. We will likely have something to say about it. Golly, week eight, it's already upon us, Nick. Week eight is already here in the college football cycle if you will the season never really ends but the game's being played right now and it's going by really really quickly would encourage you to enjoy it we have got a stacked show for you today on this thursday slate gonna talk a lot about some of the things going on in the big 10 all right michigan they're on a bye week this week uh got a nice little date with michigan state lined up what do we know about them so far They've put forth a pretty solid sample size to this point in the year. A lot of new things there. We're going to dive into some of the absolutes, what we know about the Wolverines so far. Also going to touch a little bit on LSU and talk about what the state of LSU football is to this point. A lot of new things. Year one under Brian Kelly, Jaden Daniels playing quarterback for them. That's new as well. What is the current status and the climate in Baton Rouge right now? Going to unpack that. Like I said, talking a lot of Big Ten. Talking a lot about some of the top programs in that conference. We're going to go into Ohio State because they have a game where Iowa is coming to town and Ohio State is a 30-point favorite. You heard me right, 30 points. Iowa, to my understanding, still developing the forward pass. That's something they're working on down there. But I think there's some things that we can learn about the Buckeyes in this contest. So we'll break into that as well. At the end of this thing, going to break down Texas A&M and South Carolina. So we got a preview prediction for that one. A little bit of Beamer ball, Jimbo. The seat's not hot. Don't get it twisted. There's no firing that's inbound in College Station. But there is some uncomfortable things to be talked about, especially if they lose this game. So going to give you our pick in that one. At the end of this deal, going to open up the live chat. The live chat's already open, so get after that right now. We want to hear from y'all. So give us your questions. It's the best thing we do on this program. Nick Brake joins the show. It's a blast. Have some good interaction. Kick it back and forth. Now, here's the twist to that. We like doing that so much. When we say this is y'all's show, we mean that. And we want to incorporate even more of that. So not only are we going to have a live chat portion of this whole operation at the end of the show, we're going to have that at the beginning of the show as well. So the prompt, the question that we want to hear from y'all about, want to hear your insight what program are we not talking enough about right now that we will talk about at the end of this season? So with that being said, going to give you some of my picks, some of my programs, if you will, that we're kind of keeping a pulse on right now that we think are worth keeping an eye on at least. And right now, jump in the chat, call your shot, tell us who you think is going to be someone that we talk about at the end of the season. So first program I'm looking at really closely the UCLA Bruins, Chip Kelly and company, they go to Oregon this week. We all know it's a huge matchup, huge matchup, huge stage for the Pac-12. Chip Kelly going back to Eugene, a place that he coached at for a really long time, had a lot of success in Oregon. This game could be the spark that kind of ignites the UCLA powder keg. Because when we're talking about UCLA, Everyone talks about, you know, everything going on in the Pac-12 and, and USC and Oregon and, and Utah. Like those were all kind of the playoff teams. Oregon, not so much. But UCLA is sitting there undefeated. And if there were to be a program, in my humble opinion, that's going to make the college football playoff from the Pac-12, I think you have to be undefeated. So by default, I'm looking at UCLA, and they may very well be carrying the torch for the Pac-12. So that's a team that right now, they're getting some credit. They're getting some buzz. But... If they beat Oregon, 
That lines up for a huge game against USC. Obviously, the battle for LA happens every year. We may get to see that not once, but twice. And that second time, if UCLA stays the course, that could be for a college football playoff bid. I know there's a lot of, I don't know what the right word to say is, negativity maybe around the Pac-12 and them making the playoff. Let me just say this. You're a Power 5 conference champ. You're not getting left out. I mean that wholeheartedly. So, UCLA, a team that could be getting some more buzz as this thing wears on. Another program we got to talk about, how about Arkansas? And they're not going to be a team that makes the college football playoff, but they're a team that I think is going to be a force the rest of the season. Look at their losses. They have three of them right now. I have an excuse, quite frankly. I have excuses for every single one of them. Well, all but one of them. Let's just say that. Texas A&M, they beat themselves. Like, if, if those goalposts are just a little bit shorter... If maybe the ACs turn down a little bit, have a little bit less of a gust of wind, maybe inside of that stadium, maybe the, the field goal goes through. Let's just call it what it was. They, they had A&M dead to rights. They had them beat. If Texas, excuse me, if, if Arkansas doesn't do the whole Superman, KJ Jefferson fumble the football within the five-yard line, they'd run it back for a touchdown. That game gets out of hand quick, fast, in a hurry. They were this close to blowing the doors off Texas A&M. One play, one fumble, changed the whole outcome of, I don't know if their season's the right word, but it changed the whole outcome of that game. I wholeheartedly believe that. Looking at Alabama, this is the one I don't really have an excuse for quite as much. Just were outmatched by Bama. That's fine. You had that one loss. Okay. Looking at Mississippi State, they weren't healthy. They went to Starkville, played without KJ Jefferson, very different program. So now you look the rest of the way. If Arkansas can be healthy, they're going to be a scary, scary program. They're going to be a problem for the rest of the country. So, again, are they going to be those college football playoff teams? No, but they could very well win out and be a team that we're talking about with a lot more gusto at the end of this season. I know nationally at the beginning of the year there was a lot of hype and buzz, and it kind of fell off after the A&M loss. But I'm telling you right now, Arkansas a program that is going to surge and sprint through the tape at the end of the year. Let's go back to the Big Ten. What about Illinois? They're 6-1 and one right now. They're ranked, just continuing to chug along in the Big Ten West. I mean, I think we're all talking a lot about Michigan and Ohio State, and that's fair. We're going to talk a lot about both those programs throughout the course of this show. But for Illinois, they're allowing 10 points a game. That's number one in the country. You can't score on them. You can't win. That's kind of the way it goes. Bielema ball is in effect. They're playing really efficient football. They're playing their brand of football. And is it fun to watch all the time? Well, depending on what kind of football you like to watch, you like to see points scored, probably not. But we're all just assuming it's going to be Ohio State or Michigan out of the Big Ten. What happens if Illinois gets to the Big Ten championship and hands one of those programs an L? G genuinely, what happens if that's the case? If, big, if, excuse me, if Illinois gets to Indianapolis and takes the crown? I promise you one thing, there will be a lot more talk about the Fighting Illini. Last program I'm looking at, North Carolina. 6-1, and one, they've been a juggernaut offensively, like been just explosive and as elite as elite gets. Drake May is playing some really good football. He's going to be a name that we talk about a lot throughout the rest of the college football seasons to come. Was committed to Bama at one point. I know there's a lot of buzz about, you know, is, is someone going to try and poach him? We're not here to speculate on that. I'm just telling you, they got some games ahead of us in the ACC where I'm saying they go to Wake Forest and they get NC State at home. Besides those two games, what if North Carolina, what if they find a way to get to the ACC title game? I'm just saying, Mac Brown, they got the coach to do it. I think they got the quarterback to do it. Defense has real issues, but as a whole, North Carolina, a program that is going to continue to get buzzed if they continue to win. They've been off the radar. They're probably okay with that. I think North Carolina is going to be a problem for a lot of these programs the rest of the way. Very excited for that game at Wake Forest. I think that'll be a shootout. All right, let's go to the live chat here if we got any time or we have any, uh, any people talking about uh, their picks, rather, their teams that they think are going to be a force to be reckoned with the rest of the college football season. We're going to bring on the man, the myth, the legend, the heavy lifter, Nick Brake. How we doing, brother? Good, JD. Hey, look, this is uh, this is new coming on in the first half of the pod. I know, it's man. Great, you know. Hey, supply and demand. There was demand <laughs> for Nick Break at the beginning of the show. 
And who are we to deny the people of their Nick Break fix, man? We got anything coming from the live chat? Any thoughts, concerns, maybe some picks of their shot they're calling rather true to form? Yeah, uh, so there's been a lot of them. Uh, first of all, uh, Cameron Stedman says that he, he likes Ole Miss. He thinks that, uh, that he calls them the sneakiest undefeated team. And that's fair because we've been kind of counting them out a little bit. And I know we'll talk about them a lot uh, if they aren't to win this weekend. But, uh, J.D., that's... That was that was Cameron Stebbin. I think that's a good call. Uh, what do you think? No, I, I'm all about that. I mean, Ole Miss on the show, transparently, we picked LSU, all right? We're not going to back down from that. We think LSU wins this week in Death Valley. However, if Ole Miss can get a win on the road in a place like Death Valley, they got a date with Bama coming up here in the not-too-distant future. The second half of the schedule is really unkind to Ole Miss. But you said it, Nick, they're, they're unbeaten. They haven't lost just yet. And everyone's talking about Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia and all these other programs. Ole Miss is there with a clean record in the loss column and just kind of continuing to chug along. That run game for Ole Miss is just filthy. Zach Evans, Quinshawn Judkins, two just absolute dogs in the backfield. Jackson Dart, I think, is the most interesting piece to that whole could-they-pop scenario. Because right now, Ole Miss is running the ball 65% of the time. So to put it simply, they're leaning on those backs. What happens if Jackson Dart has that click moment during the year? What happens if he just all of a sudden gets it? Light bulb goes on. RPO offense is difficult to figure out, especially if you've never done it before. Jackson Dart, let's say he gets it. That changes the entire complexion of this Ole Miss system. Changes the entire ceiling for them, honestly. I think it blows it clean off. So Ole Miss, definitely a program that could be someone we're talking about when it gets into late November. So they, they got their work cut out for them. But no, Cameron's a smart man. I like that a lot. Ole Miss, definitely team to keep a pulse on. What else we got, Big Nick? Okay, so Sumner Darlington. He's big on UCF. He likes Plumley. Seven touchdowns last game. Is that true? I didn't see Plumlee's that. Plumley's a anymore. dog, dude. <laughs> Plum, Plumley is, is a savage. If you're buying stocks in college football quarterbacks, I hope you invested in John Rice Plumley. Transfer from Ole Miss. Was a baseball player. He played a little bit of wide receiver, too, at Ole Miss. Decided he didn't want to be a receiver. Wanted to get back to playing quarterback. Goes to UCF. They've been humming at UCF offensively with him behind the wheel. So I like that a lot. UCF, uh, you know, nationally, I don't know how much buzz they'll get because they're a group of five. But I'll say this, Nick. I think they're going to get to a bowl game and just put some sort of ridiculous offensive stat down in terms of points scored, and that's going to send a message to the rest of the college football landscape, and there will be some buzz this time next year, or maybe not this time next year, but when we get into the offseason talking about, hey, what group of five team can maybe make the playoff? What group of five teams the next one to follow the Cincinnati blueprint? Depending how they finish the year, we're not picking on to make the college football playoff next year. Don't get it twisted. But with John Rice Plumley and the way they could finish this year, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about them this time next year. With Gus Malzahn at the helm, I really I, I like UCF. I think that's maybe controversial, but I think Sumner's on to something. Sumner Darlington, too, a friend of the program. Appreciate yep. him contributing to the chat. We got a lot of regulars. We got Drago. We got Sumner. Yeah. Who else we got in there? We got, uh, what's our, our guy, uh, Ghost Gaming or something like that? Yeah, he, Ghost he Gamer. Um, I'm, we see a lot of UT Engineer. Um, Let's go. So, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of really awesome regulars. Nick Myers in here now. Okay. Um, called you Reverend JD with your CFB sermon. Most recently said, uh, he said, we're all in here waiting for the Tennessee-Georgia November. Who's your early pick for that game, JD? That's a good Golly. Question. Well, now I'm, I'm just trying to catch my breath being called a reverend. I'm like, that, that's, that's a lot. Uh, early pick, <sighs> that's tricky. We're going to preview it. We're going to break it down. It's going to be on this channel. So if you haven't yet subscribed, would encourage you to do so. Here's the thing I can't get out of my head in terms of a scenario that could unfold. What happens if Tennessee gets out to a lead and then just doesn't look back? Like what happens if they just hit the ground running, track speed fast, all gas, no brakes, is Georgia going to be able to score with them? And that's, again, assuming that Georgia can't stop them defensively, which is a big assumption. That's going to be something we look really, really hard at. But if, if Tennessee just can kind of run and score how they want to, this is going to be a difficult team to catch. So I think Georgia being able to control the tempo early in that game will be the epitome of crucial. But I'm excited for that one. The fact that it's in Athens, I think, makes you feel a little bit better about Georgia. Again, I don't know if we have a, a solid pick. If I had to decide right now, to be honest with you, Nick, I'm probably drinking the orange Kool-Aid a little bit. I mean, we're riding high okay. off the Bama win, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way. So, uh, golly, 
I, I know that we're going to get clipped here if we decide to to name a pick right now. Uh, I'll lean Tennessee right now, though, since that's what they're asking for. We'll give them we'll give them Tennessee right now, but we'll break it down and reserve our right to change in the distant excuse me in the not too distant future when we pick that game first week of November. I Absolutely. like that. We got anything else in there, Nick? So um, we've got a couple people asking questions. So uh, Fergie Ferg, uh, we'll get to that question. We want to know about Bama and if they'll make it to the college football. We have our mailbag at the end of the show, so stick around, guys, if you're asking questions. I see one about being is Texas back. We will answer those at the end. Um, but right now we're talking about teams that we think are underrated and no one's getting enough talk about. It. So one more about that in that topic. Uh, and Ryan Benz kind of took the opposite approach, J.D., and I want to hear what you have to think about this. He says T- TCU's defense, not good. They haven't beaten a competent team with a healthy quarterback and still give up a lot of points. So he, he says maybe they're a bit overrated. Hmm, uh, that's interesting. So he says competent team with a healthy quarterback, which mm-hmm. is a very key qualifier because Oklahoma State's a competent team. Like, let's just call it what it is. Oklahoma State was a top 10 program before they took that L to TCU. So I understand the talk about the, the competent quarterback play and, and TCU's defense. Listen, they're going to get tested. Like, whoever comes out of the Big 12 and wins that deal will be very much proven, battle-scarred, all that in a bag of chips. Like, they're going to very much have earned it if they win the Big 12. Uh, are you selling the stock in TCU, then, is what I'm hearing? Uh, we'll see. And then my, my question would be, when it comes to Kansas State this weekend, are you going to go ahead and say Adrian Martinez is your competent quarterback that you're playing against? Is that going to be kind of the, 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 the guy that you say, okay, now TCU has made it. Now TCU, I can, I can qualify them as a Big 12 contender. Uh, Nick, for me personally, I've seen enough from them so far to say they're probably my, my favorite in the Big 12 right now. I mean, I think it's them in Texas. Kansas State and TCU this weekend will tell us a whole lot. But just by the way these teams are constructed, going to score on offense. Defense has played a lot better for Texas. Uh, TCU's defense, I think, is going to be capable as the year goes on. I think they're probably going to play some better football as we get closer. But, I mean, as a whole, though, I like TCU a lot. I I don't understand the hate on TCU. They're favored this weekend, and I think they get a win against Kansas State. So it should tell us a lot. Nick, appreciate you, my man. We're going to see you back at the end of the show. Yeah, we'll see you later. Uh, Thanks again for everybody asking, and keep going. Keep asking some questions. Let's roll. It's all yours. I love it, man. Again, Nick Brake, keeper of the queue, protector of the universe. If you have a question, a college football question, throw it in the chat right now. Because if you wait till the end of the show, it might get caught up in the buzz, and we might already have kind of our list that we're going to go down here. We want to get to as many as possible. Get in line right now. Throw it in the queue. I promise we're going to get to as many as we can. All right, let's dive in here, shall we? Let's talk about Michigan. What do we know about the Michigan Wolverines so far? Been undefeated. In a lot of ways, made a statement last week against Penn State. I think it is very fascinating at the bye week point for a lot of these teams to just kind of take inventory and figure out, okay, what are the what are the absolutes? Teams evolve, teams change, teams develop, but what are the things that we for sure know about the Michigan Wolverines right now? I think there's a couple of things, and a lot of them, I think, quite frankly, bode well for the Michigan faithful. So Michigan fans, let's dive into it. The first thing that I feel like we know about Michigan is J.J. McCarthy, as talented as he is, as good as he is going to be, he doesn't need to be that right now for you. He doesn't need to be a finished product, meaning he can afford to kind of stick his his pinky toe in the water and sort of wade out there, maybe get waist high. He doesn't need to be the man for you right now. And the reason why we say that is because your offensive line is elite absolutely elite we talked about it they played bully ball against Penn State running for over 400 yards you know what that does for your quarterback when you run for over 400 yards takes a whole lot off his plate and they're going to continue to run the ball effectively Donovan Edwards Blake Corum two guys that are just going to tote the rock carry the mail for you they're guys you can depend on and so when you're running for that many yards you don't need JJ McCarthy to throw for 300 you don't need him to be perfect throwing four touchdowns through the air because your running game is generating so much. Going back to what we said about the offensive line, they're also providing a ton of protection for him. You watch J.J. McCarthy on tape, a lot of his sacks are, frankly, him trying to ad-lib, get out of trouble, use his legs, trust himself too much. It's not like he doesn't have time sitting back there. We thought Penn State might heat him up a little bit. I didn't really see that. He had one bad interception, but that was off play action. It was a little bit fluky. J.J. McCarthy is a good quarterback. He's going to be a better quarterback as the year draws on. But we know within this team right now, you don't need that from him. 
he's going to have time to develop. And I think that cannot be overstated in terms of importance for Michigan going forward. When it comes to J.J. McCarthy, it feels like the run game is like his spotter if you're lifting weights. Like, J.J. McCarthy is strong right now. If we're using this metaphor, he's going to be able to lift the offense on his own eventually, or the hope is he can lift more of the offense eventually. But right now, when he's pushing that bar up, the Michigan run game, the offensive line, they're spotting him pretty close, and they're helping him lift it up. He's going to be strong enough eventually. Until he is, you got your spotter in the Michigan offense and that two-headed monster in the backfield for the Wolverines. You like metaphors? Let's stay with some metaphors here. Let's talk about the defense. So far, they've passed every test put in front of them. We thought Penn State might push them a little bit. Nope, wasn't the case. Allowed 10 points on defense. You say, no, no, the, the Penn State program scored 17 points. Well, one of those was a pick six, so we're not even factoring that in. As a whole, look at the numbers. 12 points allowed a game, 250 total yards allowed a game, less than 100 yards rushing given up per game. They are stout. And remember what they were saying about this team going into the year? Hey, new defensive coordinator, eight new defensive starters. You lost two edge rushers on the defensive line. What's going to happen? Looks pretty good to me so far. Now, here's what I will say. The Michigan defense, to me, I think you kind of treat like a dating relationship, a new dating relationship. There's been some dates, right? There's been some low stakes dates. You know, you've dated you know, against Maryland, you dated against some of these lesser programs, Colorado State, Hawaii, and they've all been good. They've all passed with flying colors, no real red flags, right? Had your first serious date against Penn State. That was the first, hey, what's going on here? Is this, is this going to be a thing? Are we actually worth our salt? It went well. Passed with flying colors in that game as well. So you're starting to develop some more trust, some more rapport. Here's the deal, though you're starting to get some more high stakes dates going forward, leading up to all the way the meet the parent state at Ohio State. So when it comes to this relationship, you're starting to trust, you're taking your time. It's been positive. You don't want to get ahead of things, but you don't need to get ahead of things. Where's the, why is the rush? You need to play Ohio State tomorrow. Take your time, enjoy this, trust as much as you've seen. And so far, we've seen a lot of good things. Don't need to go buy a ring. Don't need to go get you some jewelry. There's time for that. Take it slow. Once you play Ohio State, you can kind of have that definitive moment of, hey, what, what are, we? Are, are we? Are we going somewhere, or is this kind of just going to be a fling? So far, though, consistent. Like I mentioned, the number's been very solid. Performance has been extremely positive. But it's one thing to do coffee dates. It's another to say, I want you, mom and dad. We'll leave it at that. So here's my, my overall thoughts when it comes to Michigan right now. The program has a very high and a very solid floor. And Vegas had them right around nine and a half wins. So maybe you're saying that doesn't mean a ton to me. You know, get, get to the point. Well, quite frankly, the floor could have bottomed out at this point. The floor in a lot of ways had every reason to break through. Look at what we got here. A new quarterback. That's pretty crucial, right? That doesn't always go super well. Eight new starters on defense like we talked about. That's a whole lot of new. That's a whole lot of variables that if even two of those are rough, you might have some issues on the back end. You might have some issues on the defensive line. Like there's a lot of things that could spiral out of control pretty quickly if they don't mesh well to begin with. Oh, by the way, two new coordinators on offense and defense. There was a lot of opportunity for this thing to go wrong, and it hasn't. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I'm not saying you can for sure just punch your ticket to the college football playoff. But I am saying at this point in the year, Floor feels pretty solid. I don't think this thing is going to spiral out of control. And as a Michigan fan, you got to be really encouraged with everything that happened from a transition point from last year to this year. Hasn't been the college football playoff hangover. Hasn't been the our coach might take another job hangover. It's all been really clean. And I think that's got to be encouraging for Michigan fans. Because on the flip side of that, talking about the floor, where's the ceiling? Is there a ceiling for this team? Because I'm looking at all the potential for this program and we're seven games in JJ McCarthy's not even playing his best ball yet like we were talking about this team being undefeated having a chance to go to the college football playoff and how well they're playing JJ McCarthy I think still has a lot left in the tank I think he would tell you that I think a lot of people around Ann Arbor would tell you that I feel like quite frankly people in that locker room would tell you that it's his first few games as a starting quarterback remember he wasn't even the guy until after game three so what if he ends up putting it together and being all that you hoped he would be? What if they get just a whole new element where they can push the ball downfield? They got the guys, Ronnie Bell, 
he can go. A lot of tight ends that have proven they can be guys that go deep for you as well, control the middle of the field. Like there's a lot under the hood here for Michigan that I don't know that we actually have seen just yet. Take it to the defensive side. Eight new starters. They're playing great ball right now. Do we think they're a finished product at seven games? Do we think that they've already played their best football at seven games? I have a hard time believing that. Typically, more experience means better gameplay. For Michigan, the opponents get tougher, yes. Will the numbers get worse? That's possible, but the numbers don't tell the whole story. The competition gets tougher. Like we talked about, the, the stakes for those dates get a little bit higher. But what if this Michigan defense has some of their best ball ahead of them? What if they continue to mesh? Something to think about. So we look at Michigan. JJ can take his time to get developed. He's going to be a guy going forward. Doesn't need to be a guy right now. Just needs to drive the car. Don't crash the car. Defense, it's going well. It's been fairly casual in terms of your competition. You're ramping up to it, but so far, no red flags. Passed every test. Passed every test with flying colors. The program has a really solid floor. I don't know that they have a ceiling. That's what I think we've learned so far for sure about Michigan in 2022. I love it. How's the live chat doing? We're rolling. Rolling. Awesome. Nick, I thought maybe you were going to chime in there, but it's all good, bro. I just thought maybe. We're doing good. I thought maybe you and I would have a moment right now, but. Dude, we can have a million moments. <laughs> 54 people watching. Love it. Um, doing okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. Go ahead, guys. Keep, keep joining. Keep sending those in. Keep giving your questions to Nick. Want to make sure we get to as many of those as possible. Also, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We have a good time here. Me and Nick break. I don't know what more you need. Honestly, Nick break. I don't know what more you need than Nick break. Like if, if that's all you need to subscribe, I would, I would say that's a good enough reason for me. All right, let's jump into some LSU, huh? LSU Tigers were a program that got talked a lot about during this whole offseason situation because the coaching carousel was spinning and spinning and spinning. And next thing you know, Brian Kelly relocates from South Bend, Indiana, shows up at your pep rally in Baton Rouge, apparently developed a Southern accent along the way, and now he's your head coach. So what is the state of LSU football? And if you're an LSU fan, here's my question I would pose to you in terms of your happiness revolving around year one. When you get onto an airplane, are you upset because you're not at the destination yet? Or are you pleased because the plane is heading the right direction? I think that's kind of where we're at right now in year one under Brian Kelly. This thing is just now taking off. It's just now starting to develop its direction. It's kind of charting its coordinates, if you will. What LSU is today is not what they're going to be in year three under Brian Kelly. So for LSU fans that are saying, we got this elite head coach, we went and got a quarterback in the portal, we got tons of talent, we took more transfers than anybody in college football, we should be elite. I would say LSU should be elite. I, I truly believe LSU will be elite in the not-too-distant future. But if you're upset with this year, I would say, why? Plane's in the air. Plane's going to the right place. I promise you want to go to the destination that Brian Kelly has taken you to. More on that in a second here. It's going the right spot. The reality is contact is everything, right? When it comes to LSU, there is so much context that is crucial. You rented a quarterback. Shea Dixon said that perfectly on the Bengal Tiger, our LSU on three site. Follow Shea, get a membership to that page as well. But he said that perfectly because that's really what happened. You felt like you need to go get a guy that could help get things going in year one. Jaden Daniels probably needed you as much as you felt like you needed him. And that's what's happening right now. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Because guess what else? You have musical chairs going on at the offensive line unit every single week. They have a hat, sort of shake up all the names. They go through and pick the name out and say, okay, that's where you're starting this week. That's, of course, I'm exaggerating here, but that's kind of what it feels like. There's so much lack of continuity, rather, on the LSU offensive line. And that is a thing that I don't know that it's getting talked about enough, quite frankly, because the offensive line is what makes the offense go. And, oh, also, by the way, we talked about that whole more transfers than anybody else in college football. Well, that is very much something that takes time to bake. And I think a lot of these programs around college football have set an unrealistic expectation for different fan bases. Let's look at USC for a second. Similar position to LSU, one of the elite programs, right? One of the elite brands in college football. 
They go get themselves a winner, a Lincoln Riley. Check. Go get themselves a pretty outstanding transfer portal class. Check. It's working right away in year one. Will they make the college football playoff? Depends on who you ask. It's probably another video for another time, but it's working. The machine is humming. Here's the deal with LSU, though. You say you're kind of comparing their transfer excuse me, their transfer class and, and your transfer class and your first-year head coach, their first-year head coach. Well, guess what, folks? The Pac-12 and the SEC West are very different climates, very different places to grow your program in. This LSU operation right now is still baking. It's still coming together. What it's going to be in a couple of years is not what it is today. And you brought Brian Kelly here because of what it's going to be in a couple of years. You didn't bring him here for 2022. 2022 is a revamp. Vegas will tell you that. Over under with seven wins. Won six games last year. This is going to work. Brian Kelly is very much so what LSU needed. Structure, discipline, direction. Going back to that plain metaphor. They're going to the right place. Whenever you have something that's broken, whether it's pipes or a computer or your Wi-Fi, you know what I'm talking about. Someone comes in, they fix it, and then they tell you, hey, turn it off, turn it back on, let it run. Let it get all the bad out and all the good in. That's what's happening at LSU. Brian Kelly is fixing this program. Turn it off, turn it on. Now it's starting to run. It's filtering out all the bad, getting in all the good. And if you don't think that Brian Kelly has some stake in the game, maybe you're saying he just wanted to get out of South Bend, Indiana. He just wanted to come to the SEC and compete against the best, get a nice big paycheck. I'm sure percentage of that is true, but you have to remember this. Brian Kelly is still trying to get himself a national title. He wouldn't have left Notre Dame if he didn't feel that way. The pressure is also on Brian Kelly because he, in not so many words, said, I didn't have what I needed at Notre Dame. At LSU, they're going to give me everything I need. Well, now, guess who, has, guess who has no excuses? It's Brian Kelly. The pressure is on him. Just as much as you might feel like you want to see something from LSU, I promise you Brian Kelly wants it just as bad for reasons that go beyond just being able to be competitive on the football field. He wants to hoist some hardware, all right? I think that's uh, enough to be said about that. Louisiana recruiting, the resources, and the fact that Brian Kelly is a proven winner, won 81% of his career games, LSU is going to be okay. So for LSU fans, get on the plane, kick your feet up, watch a movie, take a nap, get some peanuts, whatever you want to do on your flight as you get to where this thing is going, just be patient. Because the plane is going the right direction. For us, that's the state of LSU Tiger football in Baton Rouge. If you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, would love to have you along for the ride. We talk about it all the time. It's a YouTube channel. We have lights. We have the, the cameras, the mics, all that. But y'all are what makes this actually go. We could have four people watching this show, and it wouldn't matter what we did right here. Y'all make this operation happen. So thank you in advance for that. Let's go back to Big Ten country, huh? Let's, let's go back to the Big Ten. What can we learn about Ohio State in this game against Iowa coming up? Maybe you look at that game and say, Ohio State's going to absolutely drag them. 29 and a half points. All right, next. And maybe you're flipping the channel. That's fine if you do that. But I think there's something to take from this game. Because Ohio State, for us at least, is the best team in the country. Most consistent, most dominant. But we haven't really had a ton of attention towards them because the opponent hasn't really warranted that. And maybe you say, Iowa doesn't warrant that either. That's fine. Let's take a look at one of the best teams in the country and sort of figure out what we can glean from a game like this, because I think there are some key pieces to watch. The first thing that I think we could learn about Ohio State in this game, they have a chance to even further validate what they have offensively. Because Iowa, for all of their faults as a program, for all of their faults offensively, they play some pretty good defense. The numbers say so. 11 points a game given up, that's really good. Ohio State, they're scoring right around 49 a game. Immovable object, meet unstoppable force. We're going to find out, right? Like something is going to happen here for Ohio State. So if they can be able to be as effective as they have been against these other programs, I think you learn a lot about yourself here, Ohio State. I truly do. On top of that, there's an element of toughness that we have long questioned from Ohio State. I think they put some of those concerns to rest in the Notre Dame game. 
hasn't really aged how I think a lot of us thought it would, but still, Iowa, like we talked about defensively, they're really tough in the trenches, giving up less than 126 yards a game. They're really solid. They're going to make you earn every yard in those trenches. And like we talked about for Ohio State, that's been the, the, the question, hey, what happens if you just punch them in the mouth? They're fast. They've got a lot of guys with a lot of stars next to their name. But what happens if you just try and bully them in the trenches? Can they, can they answer that call to action? Well, Iowa may not be able to keep pace, but if they can land a punch or two on Ohio State, I would be fascinated to see how they respond. Because Ohio State, they want to run the football. We think about Emeka Egbuka. We think about Marvin Harrison Jr., C.J. Stroud, lighten up the stat sheet. They want to run the football. Numbers say so. They're running the ball 56% of the time. If you want to lean that way, you could say they're a running team. We're going to find out if they can do that against one of these better front sevens in the Big Ten. Is it Michigan? No. Is it Alabama? Is it Georgia? No. But this will be a very telling piece for us about how much salt there is to that backfield and just how tough they are as a program. Six yards per carry is what they're doing right now. Can that continue? I think it also could validate their psyche. We find out a lot about where's this Ohio State program's head at right now. Because they're 30-point favorites. They're at home. They're off a bye. And guess what else? They go to Penn State next week to play a ranked Penn State team. For a lot of programs, there is the poison that you could drink in the situation called the look-ahead potion. So is Ohio State kind of sipping that look-ahead potion and taking a peek at what they got to go do at Happy Valley? You would hope not. You would hope not. Again, Iowa, they don't, they're not going to be great offensively. I don't think they'll keep score. But is Ohio State in chase mode? Because we talked about it a lot this offseason, too. Ohio State doesn't have the Big Ten crown. You wouldn't know that from how people have talked about them leading up to this year. Michigan's got the crown. Ohio State was the runner-up. And we thought maybe the incentive for them would be, hey, now we got to go back and earn it. We've tasted our own blood a little bit. We're motivated. We got to go earn it. Do they still feel that way? This game could tell us kind of the approach they're taking. Because I think ultimately that's going to be something that determines whether or not they end up getting to where they want to get to, whether they do win the Big Ten, whether they do beat Michigan, whether they do achieve all their goals comes down to the psyche. Don't play with your food if you're Ohio State. My question is, how lethal are they? When we, when we do our reaction to this game, we talk about how good Ohio State is or isn't, what are we saying about this team? More importantly, what are some of the other big dogs in the college football landscape saying when it comes to these programs? When Georgia watches this game, when Michigan watches this game, when Alabama watches this game, are they saying, hey, Ohio State, sure, they won the game by 15, but they're gettable. You get them on the right day, if you get them with their approach a little lackluster, you can beat them because they've shown it. They showed it against Iowa. They don't have the juice every single Saturday. Depends on what kind of day you get them on. We can get these guys. Or are those programs watching it back and saying, all right, hey, boys, tie your shoes, buckle your chin straps. It's going to be a long one. Ohio State's coming to play every single game. Doesn't matter if they're favored by 30 or they're 30-point dogs. Ohio State's going to bring it. Logo on the helmet, doesn't matter. We got to bring it against Ohio State. Don't mistake me saying that as saying any of those programs wouldn't take Ohio State seriously. But if you think that every game isn't an audition for voters or for other programs watching your tape, tape is forever, all right? Let's just say that. Your tape is your resume. And I think Ohio State could do well to send a message in this game especially that could be a look-ahead spot against a program that has a really solid front seven. I think this is a chance to send a message. I truly do. So Ohio State, the test, which is a strong word, is set before you. What are people going to say about you after this game? I'm excited to see. For the record, we think Ohio State rolls in that game. I think Ohio State is, is angry. I think they will be pretty close to covering that number. Talk to Spencer Holbrook from Letterman Row, Ohio State on three site. He does a really good job. That site is cooking. He thinks they're going to cover that number. He thinks maybe if you get it at 28, you feel good about it, but he thinks they're going to roll, and Ohio State is going to be a force to be reckoned with. So we're excited to watch that one. Let's wrap this thing up talking a little bit about Texas A&M going to South Carolina. Now, Texas A&M, three-point favorites in that game. 
and it has been a bit of a tale of, of two resets, if you will, when we look at both these programs. South Carolina, they had a tough three-game stretch to start the year. Georgia State, Georgia, Arkansas, like Georgia State in itself is actually not really a, a tune-up game. I know the label or the branding doesn't really get you quite as excited as those other two programs, but they're, they play good football. They played South Carolina tough. Then Arkansas and Georgia are just not really ideal opponents to play as you break in a new quarterback and a second-year offensive coordinator, second-year head coach. Like, needless to say, they were happy to be able to get those two get-right games and then to beat Kentucky, got a bye week. Now they're hitting the reset for the second half of their season and to really, you know, write the script the rest of the way how they want to. Spencer Rattler looked a lot more effective against Kentucky. The offense as a whole looked a lot more effective against Kentucky. More on that in just a second. Texas A&M also trying to hit the reset, hitting a bye week. And last time we saw them, they took Alabama to the wire. Now, Max Johnson, who was previously quarterback one for them, is not going to be available the rest of the season. Haynes King sounds like he's also a touch dinged up. Doesn't matter. He's going to play against South Carolina, but he is now their guy. No more Anaya Smith. He's done for the year. So they're trying to find a way to keep this plane in the air. It feels like from an injury perspective and even a little bit just from a outside looking in perspective, there is one engine currently out in this Texas A&M plane. Trying to keep it in the air, trying to keep it from spiraling. A win on the road against an SEC opponent would do a lot for that. So here are the hinge points for us in this game. Who can help their quarterback more? Like, to put a metaphor to it, is this a family-style meal where the food is in the middle of the table and we all just take what we can eat, whatever we can handle, we handle, and that's how we get this done, how we finish the meal? Or is it eat at your own plate? And this is what you got. This is your serving size. If you can't handle it, that's too bad. That's going to hurt everybody. Which of those is it? Because that's going to be very telling as this game goes on. Spencer Rattler, like we already talked about, when they play complimentary football for him at South Carolina, he's a different quarterback. First three games of the year, we saw him feel like he had to be Superman, and his numbers suffered because of it. So far, five touchdowns, eight picks. We'll get to that. But when he feels like he has to be the guy, when he says, either I got a ball out today or we're not winning, there's problems. The offensive line looked much better against Kentucky. They ran for over 100 yards. They protected him better. But that wasn't the case leading up to that game. Georgia gave him problems. Arkansas gave him problems. Georgia State even gave him some problems. And when that happened, Spencer Rattler started to press, made poor decisions. I know we're going to talk more about that in a second, but I think it's worth noting. If they can help him out, he's going to be okay. If they ask him to do everything for them, it's going to be a long night for South Carolina. And they got guys to help them too. Jaheim Bell, in my opinion, been wildly underutilized. A guy that can line up all over the place for them. You would hope he starts to see more of the football. But we'll see. Marshawn Lloyd's got to have a good game. Running back for South Carolina. If you could have him over 100 yards, you feel a lot better about your chances to win the game because then you keep the defense off balance. You give Spencer Rattler more time. You can do play action. Just so many things happen if they can allow some other prongs to be attached to this offense, especially in the run game. So that's first and foremost for them. Looking at Haynes King. He's a guy we've been fairly critical of on this show. Even when he was named the starting quarterback, we said he's a freak athlete, lots of potential. He worries us in the turnover department. That's a thing for him. It has been, and it has continued to be since he was actually benched after the Appalachian State loss. Max Johnson got the keys to the car. Then it crashed the car, but he got hurt. Haynes King, you're back in the driver's seat. Noah Nias Smith for this program hurts a lot. Now, I will say, Evan Stewart and the rest of that receiving core had a huge day against Alabama. It won't show up in the stat sheet, but Evan Stewart actually had over 100 yards in that game. I mean, for, for Haynes King, rather, it won't show up in his stat sheet against Alabama. But there were so many plays that his receivers made for him that changed the complexion of that game. And I can remember one on the sideline where his receiver actually reached over the Alabama defensive back, was going to be an interception, and the A&M receiver turned it into a first down with that snag. It's got to be plays like that for him. It's got to be plays from this receiving core where they give him some margin for error. It doesn't need to be a perfect throw every time for these AM receivers to get it done. That's the story you want to tell on Sunday if you're an Aggie fan. Devon A-Chain, we've talked about him a lot on this show. He is the catalyst to this offense. Similar to what we said about South Carolina, if you can take some things off his plate, if you can allow A-Chain to get going and live in a 
second and three, second and four, you just have one more plays you can call. Two, you can play more to Haynes King's strengths that way. Because if you're king on Devon A-Chain, well, guess what? In that read option game, Haynes King's like a 4-4 kind of guy. He gets around the edge. Could be issues. So we'll see just about that. On the flip side of that, does either quarterback give it away? Been critical of both these guys for decisions they've made. And I could see a world where we get right to the fourth quarter, close game, back and forth, and an interception decides it. Just by nature of what we've seen from both these guys. Spencer Rattler, never been a matter for him of being physically capable. Uh, has so much ability. I mean, think about it. After that New Year's Six Bowl game where they beat Florida, Oklahoma was going to be, you know, in the college football playoff picture. Oklahoma was, you know, a, a surefire pick to play for the national title. Number one in the country. Spencer Rattler was going to be the first overall pick. He was going to win the Heisman. And then that deteriorated very, very quickly. A lot of that in part for Spencer Rattler's decision-making issues. It's not physical for him, but it is a matter of too much, I venture to say, self-belief and a matter of too much want to pressing that ball downfield. Take what the defense gives you. Eight interceptions, five touchdowns, not a good look. It's not all his fault, but it's not a good look. Can you trend a little bit more towards that Kentucky game? You'll be okay. Haynes King, same song, second verse, right? He's not playing because of a lot of things he did poorly against Appalachian State. And then Max Johnson gets hurt, and they say, Haynes King, you're back in the ballgame. I will just say this. We're going to call a shot a little bit right here. If Haynes King opens this thing up and has two turnovers, you'll at least start hearing some buzz about Connor Wegman. Will it happen in the game? I don't know. But you're going to start hearing a little bit about that really talented freshman from the state of Texas, whole lot of stars next to his name too and he's just sitting on the bench holding a clipboard this other guy in the game threw a couple picks I'm not saying that's what's going to happen but I am saying the leash for Haynes King I think there is a ceiling to that I think there is not for sure a, a ton of rope he's being given right here so some of that too is how do they manage him remains to be seen Devon H. and Gowen will make this an easier situation for him but he has been known to put the ball in harm's way We've seen it in the spring game, saw it against Sam Houston State, saw it against, I mean, you name it. We've seen it from Haynes King. It's kind of what he does, unfortunately. So if he can get the run game going for himself as well, maybe that changes things, but he's five touchdowns, five interceptions on the year. It's not awesome. And like we already talked about, that number honestly could be a little bit worse with the decisions he's made. Which quarterback gives the game away? I think it comes down to the fourth quarter. I think it comes down to that. So here's probably the most important hinge point for us in this game. Does Beamer ball play a factor? And you know what I'm talking about. Shane Beamer, special teams guru. It's a thing with his daddy. It's a thing with him. Well, guess what? A&M, they're favored by three points. Their field goal percentage conversion rate is awful. 62%. That's good for like 103rd in the country. If I'm believing you're going to win the game by three points, I would have to see something a little bit better from that at the field goal unit. Looking at South Carolina, blocked five punts this year. They lead the country. They're 100% on field goal conversion. How much does that accentuate itself in this game? Now, maybe A&M's defense is just way better. Maybe Texas A&M's offense takes advantage of the third down issues that South Carolina defense has had. But I'm telling you, if they can't get three when they get close to the end zone, when they kind of get in that red zone territory, if they can't get points, this thing could get really lopsided. It could get really interesting. Our prediction for this game, I think you have a case of two teams with different trends. South Carolina got that win against Kentucky, hit the bye week, they're trending up. A&M, ton of bad injuries, a lot of Jimbo Fisher slander, a lot of just issues as a whole around that program, it feels like. And they hit the bye week after the loss to Bama. And to me, that loss against Alabama kind of felt like their last kick. I'm not leaving this program for dead, but it did feel like that was their absolute best shot. They emptied the take. They threw the kitchen sink at Bama. And it didn't hit. And so now you have a South Carolina program trending up and a Texas a program that I believe is trending down. I think it's an ugly game. I don't think either, either quarterback plays perfectly or mistake-free, but I do think that South Carolina wins this football game by a field goal. Beamer ball shows itself 27 
to 24. South Carolina Gamecocks get it done at home. That's going to be, I mean, you talk about a powder keg that's ready to erupt. The Jimbo Fisher slander crowd was already kind of out and about. They will be rioting in the streets of College Station if they drop that game. Because think about it. Then you have a four-loss season at minimum, and things can really get ugly with what they have to do the rest of the way. We'll see what happens. All right, folks, like we already talked about, the best thing that we do on this program involve y'all in the show. We've been talking about it for a minute now, getting the live chat going. We had some at the beginning of the show, getting out to the tail end of this thing, and we're going to bring you back on. Another person we'll bring him back on right now. You know him. You love him. He is your mother's favorite producer, Nick Heavylifter Break. Welcome back, my man. How are we doing? Your intro for me, it just gets a, it feels a little weirder every time. <laughs> it feels um, weird. Well, I, you know, we'll leave it. <laughs> Just lean into uh, it, man. Hey, dude, JD, we've got a lot of really good questions. Um, not that there's anything wrong with a particular team being asked a lot. Uh, we've had a lot of Tennessee fans in our chats uh, recently. It. Today, we've kind of spread the wealth, so we've got a lot of good questions to ask. I'm going to start with the one I alluded to earlier on in the show. Uh, Fergie Ferg, hopefully you're still watching, man. Um, if Bama loses to Mississippi State, or I'll go ahead and say, or any other team this year, uh, are their chances of college football playoffs totally done? If Alabama loses to Mississippi State, there would be a lot of other talking points about the Alabama program as a whole. History would say a two-loss team is not getting in the playoff, and I would venture to say that's going to be the same case in the SEC. Now, maybe you make a case of, well, hey, look who Alabama's playing. they got to play the toughest you know, conference in the country, and I think that's true, but... Yeah, if they lose another game, I think they can just about say goodbye to those college football playoff hopes. Now, will they lose to Mississippi State this coming Saturday? I don't think so. I mean, do you have a pick in that game, Nick? Do you think they lose to Mississippi State? I, you know, man, we're looking at Nick Saban right now. Um, I, know, I don't think there's a possibility. Look, Vegas is on to something, says it's 21 points. Mississippi State did not look very good against uh, my state's team, the University of Kentucky Wildcats. Bama's going to win. Um, it, it appears that Fergie Ferg is a, uh, a Hogs fan, so I don't think he's got – or they've got st any stakes here. But uh, Fergie Ferg, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> 21 points, man. Vegas That's a lot. Is, I don't think that Vegas would whiff on a 21-pointer. Now, Mississippi State, the pass game maybe gets going. Maybe that changes the way this thing goes. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I would have a really hard time believing that's going to happen. So, yeah. never say never, but – I think Bama's uh, second loss, you would have to look a little bit more towards that SEC title game, maybe the Ole Miss game. I don't know. We'll get to see it all unfold. But that's a great question by Fergie Ferg. I love it. A little, yep. little, little bit of woo pig on the, on the program, huh? Yep. A good start uh, for sure. Jack Terry's bringing in the uh, Sooners into this conversation. Will Oklahoma win out, J.D.? Golly. The short answer is no. And Sooner fans... We'll just say it. We thought that y'all were going to be a lot better. We thought that the Oklahoma program, we were, we were buying stock in Brent Venables. And to be 100% honest, we haven't sold that stock. Like, the, there, there's a dip right now, okay? It's just taken a little bit longer than I think a lot of people perceived they would, or at least that we thought it would on this program. The defense has got issues. The defense today is not what it's going to be in 2024 and 2025. Brent Venables is going to recruit, get his guys in. Oklahoma is going to be back. Now, is it impossible? No, because of how much you have on offense. I really think Dylan Gabriel is playing some of the best football in the country. When we've seen him healthy, he's been really good. So, did they win out? Probably not. But do you sell your Brent Venable stock? Do you get the fire Jeff Levy train rolling? Absolutely not. Stay down for the come up sooner, fans. We love you. Let's keep rolling. Awesome. Um, dude, I love this question. JR, by the way, shout out to JR, has been in the chat the entire time. Um, going to war with the other people in the chat about all different topics related to college football. He, uh, JR wants to know, um, first asked, actually, he's got two questions. So Love it. quickly answer this first one because I think this is a pretty easy one. Any possibility Ohio State and Michigan both make college football playoff, J.D.? Very much so. Yep, very cool. possible. Both have to be undefeated when they get to the big game. But mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But, yes, very much possible. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, this one, I like this question a lot because, you know, I like to show 
uh, the love elsewhere in, in college football outside of the Big Ten and the SEC. Uh, Pac-12 champ or AS ACC champ, who gets left out? Great question. Very good question. That's another JR question? It is JR, yes. JR, another regular man. I love it. And how about Nick Brake just spreading the wealth? Just a man of the people. We love it. <laughs> ACC champ or Pac-12 champ, that is the question. My question is, is it an undefeated Clemson or is it like a one-loss USC? Because for both programs, I think you probably have to be undefeated to get into the college football playoff, just whether it's, like I said, whether it's one of those two teams. I think being undefeated is kind of the recipe. That's why we lean towards UCLA. Now, let's just say Clemson goes undefeated, UCLA goes undefeated. I think they're both in. And maybe that's not going to be you know, a, a friendly take by a lot of people. But I'm just saying, if you win your conference and you're undefeated and you're in a Power 5 conference, I don't understand how you get left out. And I know there's a lot of people saying, well, what if it's one loss Tennessee or it's one loss uh, Bama? Well, I guess Bama would have to be a champion. You get where I'm going with this. Control what you control. Win your conference. You're in the dance. So the answer, JR, is they could both get in. Or if they each have a loss, they could both be left out. But it, it can't be a one loss champ from either program getting in, in my humble opinion. But that's why we love the regular season. That's why we here stand for the regular season and not so much the extended playoff. Another video, another time, but that's how we feel about it. But I hope that answers your question, JR. How about it? Going to war in the chat, you said, huh, Nick? He was just getting after people? Positive going to war. Okay, not, I mean, a lot of war. cool statements. Reading Good. what everyone... We've got a really educated college football fan base, too, in our chat. Um, it's pretty awesome. Um, by the way... Uh, <laughs> We got our, uh, you know, we got some fans in here. Uh, Drago saying, "Hey, Nick and JD, um, see clear. I love you too." Says, "Love you, Nick." Uh, hook them. Um, wow, I'm I'm blushing a little bit. I love bit. that. Yeah. Hey, um, I mean, supply and demand. This is going to my head. I'm going to be taking off this show real fast. <laughs> the power is definitely getting to me. Um, Drago, by the way, asks, "Yo, JD, uh, what do you think about Michigan and Ohio State? Assuming that means head to head. Uh, that's later on in the year, but as of now, JD, who do you got?" As of today, like if they played this game tomorrow, I would lean Ohio State because at the end of the year, that's when you need J.J. McCarthy to be who you expect him to eventually be. Like you need him to be in his final form. He's not there yet. If they played tomorrow, I would lean Ohio State because of the firepower on offense. The defense looks revamped. They looked really tough against Notre Dame. So we'll learn some things about them this week like we already talked about, but I think Ohio State is probably the way that you go if you had to pick that game today. Now, we could go the other way easily if we started talking about, well, J.J. McCarthy taps into a new level. Mm -hmm. The Michigan defense, they're going to be even tougher going forward. So the potential of Michigan is exciting, but you know you can't bet on potential, so we're going to bet on Ohio State as of today. But you know we're doing a preview on the show for it, so if you haven't yet subscribed and you don't want to miss that, would encourage you to do that. And uh, that goes for anybody in the chat and anybody watching the show. So thank you in advance for doing that. But we like Ohio State today. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. Um, UT Engineers back. Let's go. Uh, one of our loyal followers says, what are the chances that Jimbo gets fired with another poor season? Uh, does A&M pay that $90 million buyout? It's a lot of money. Yeah, $90 million is a lot of money. And they have a lot of it in College Station. They have a lot of it in the state of Texas with the oil money. He will not get fired this season. That will not be the case. Now, if this proceeds for the next two years, I don't know what the buyout looks like. I would imagine that probably changes the conversation around it. But I just want to say this for any A&M fan watching this show. One, we love you. Two, Jimbo's not getting fired this year. I mean, think back to the beginning of this season. What were a lot of people telling you? This could be a good year. Don't get it twisted. There's a lot of exciting things about this year, but how about the year after this year? How about next season? If they can keep that recruiting class together, the classes they've stacked now, they can keep those guys from jumping in the portal if things go too far south. Next year is a year where I think a lot more of that excitement is warranted. So this year for me, I don't think there's any way you fire Jimbo Fisher, especially with that price tag attached to it. That's UT Engineer, though. We love it. UT yep. Engineer making oh, yeah. a, a case again in the chat. JD, Love we've it. got a lot of more a lot more questions. Um, Let's get to two more. What do you say? Two more. Two more? Okay, I love it. Um, so Kate Brown wants to know is Texas back? Um, Kate, I think it's safe to say, if not now, very soon. Um, I'm going to answer that one for JD. Okay, I like um, it. Cameron Stebbin wants to know if JD has a favorite team. Personally, I'm going to go ahead and give this shot uh, in the very right hand corner. Boom. You can see that uh, that Cornell big red bear helmet. His alma mater. There it is, man. What a great football player in here, J.D. Bacall. Um, 
Wait, is Texas back? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. If they win the Big 12, let's start that conversation again. I think they've shown a lot of things that encourage you to think, hey, they could be back. There could be some things that get them to, you know, th th there's a lot more promise, if that makes sense. But no, I like that, Nick. You're the, yeah. I'm you, with you. you. I'm with you. You probably, listen to JD there. Um, <laughs> I, I believe. Um, how about this one? I really like this question. Uh, Sean Patterson's been talking a lot, comparison, uh, comparing the SEC and the Big Ten in the chat. Uh, wants to know if the the top, the two top SEC and Big Ten teams are the best four. Will we see them in college football playoffs, uh, or will someone else get in? And then also wants to ask you, um, is the gap between these two as small as ever, or is it just is it just them? So. I think the gap's close. I mean, I really I don't think there's like. SEC Big Ten or Big Ten SEC. Like, I, I don't think there's some large margin that we're talking about here. I believe the question was, do we get the top two teams from both conferences in? So we have a, a Big Ten SEC round robin, essentially. Is that what the question is, Nick? Well, saying, you know, could we get the top ten teams, let's say if it's – or the top two, let's say if it's Georgia, Michigan, Ohio yeah. State, Tennessee, or yeah. will we include the other guys, basically? You know, I think it's possible, but – to be clear, you would have to see some of those other programs really drop the ball. Like, I think you would probably have to see a, you know, two-loss Clemson and maybe a multiple-loss Pac-12 champ. Like, I think that's probably the way that could happen. So it's not out of the question, but I, I would be very surprised if we had two conferences representing all four teams in the college football playoff. So never say never, but we, we would be very, very much surprised. And just to make that final point on the SEC Big Ten, uh, very close gap. And it changes every single year in terms of how wide those gaps are between those programs and the rest of the Power Five. And we'll see just how much that conversation changes when mm -hmm. they extend the playoff. So, you know, I'm not saying we have a, a take on that one way or the other when they do extend the playoff, but just something to see. That conversation is going to evolve, I promise you. Um, J.D., A.B. Bailey says, good gravy, stop saying Texas is back. <laughs> Uh, hey, we were asked the question. We didn't say that. He says no. We didn't we, say that. We didn't say they're back. I did maybe clear. a little bit, but to be uh, clear. <laughs> um, last last question. I'm gonna look around a little quick, or really quick. Uh, by the way, if you haven't already, like JD said, subscribe to the channel. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, four o'clock Eastern, three Central. Um, I like this too. How about starting off with call your shot too? I really yeah, like that. If we can I make that hum a little bit more with getting people more on board, I think that would be a blast mm -hmm. to start the show off with Q and A. And the show involving you in the chat. I mean, I think that is mm -hmm. phenomenal. Wouldn't be the people show if we didn't involve the people. Absolutely. Right? So being able to have that is crucial to this whole operation, integral to the success. So I love that. I appreciate everybody contributing to that yeah. in the early going. What do you think, Nick? We, we got one more, uh, one got more in the one. chamber here? I've got one more question. Let's do it. I, you're opinionated on this, I know. And I think we have a different opinion. Murray Stokes wants to talk about the 12-team playoff. Wants to know if it could get moved up a year if you think so, given how we're headed in college football. So to my understanding, I'll start with could it be moved up a year? My understanding is there is a lot of things legally and a lot of money changing hands that would keep that from happening from TV deal standpoint. So could it be moved up a year? I don't understand how that would happen, to be 100% honest with you. I don't know how that would eventually take place. So my answer is probably not. Thoughts on the big 12, or excuse me, on the on the 12 team playoff. I want to kind of tread lightly here because my fear is that I sound like, wow, this guy is a downer on college football. Not true. Love this sport with every fiber of my being. However, we love the regular season so much around here. And we treasure the fact that no matter what happens on a week-to-week -week basis, likely your favorite teams chances of playing in the postseason or in the playoff hang in the balance. So with that being said, imagine a world where there's 12 teams. You don't have to imagine it. It'll be here very soon. A 12-team playoff then sort of opens the door for, hey, you could actually have a down week this week and be just fine getting into the playoff. Like you can, you can afford to fall asleep at the wheel. Like Tennessee, Alabama, how amazing was that? Because now we're saying, Tennessee, you have a chance to get into the dance. Well, if they lose to Alabama, you say, oh, that's too bad. Maybe we'll get to see it in the playoff again. That'd be fun, right? And I'm not against rematches. I'm just saying that meant so much to the good people in Knoxville because of, honestly, what it could do for their playoff chances. It also meant a lot because it was Alabama, because it was the third Saturday in October, all those things. I think when you start to widen the margin for error, you start to, I think, water down that, that regular season aspect. Now, I know that's going to be kind of a buzzword and a, a thing that a lot of people say, but I don't think it could be any more true. So... At the same time, 
Very excited to see what the college football playoff looks like at 12 teams. I think there's still a lot to be excited about. We will still watch every single game and cover it with a passion, but that's how we feel about the regular season playoff, uh, excuse me, the regular season as it pertains to the playoff. Uh, Nick, I want to give you a chance to get your two cents in here, though, as well. Well, J.D., I don't think you could have said it better than you, and, you know, I'm all for more football. Um, I'm also all for protecting the players who've got a draft in just a couple months that they, you know, professional football and getting paid above all else. So, uh, you know, and obviously, like you said, the regular season's great, but I love more football. Yeah. And I love giving the chances. Look, I come from a G5 school um, in Western Kentucky. Uh, without a 12-team playoff, these smaller schools have no shot at a playoff. You could be undefeated, win every game by 50 points, and the Hilltoppers would miss out, So, or any other small team. So this does give those kinds of teams the chance. But like you said, those teams at the top, Alabama, I think if you got a 12-team playoff, uh, they, they know that every week, you know, they could, we could slip here, fall asleep a little bit here, rest Bryce Young here and there. Um, obviously, he's going to be well gone by then, but uh, it's certainly a mixed bag for sure, J.D. Very, very much a mixed um, but bag. That's very all the much. questions. Everybody's saying bye to us. Uh, so, uh, Everybody's jumping off. All right. <laughs> all right. said well, bye, J.D. and peace. Nick about four times, so I guess that's our cue, man. See you there later. There it is. There it is. Well, folks. Thank you so much for jumping in with us. Thank you for jumping in the chat on the front end and the back end of the show. Y'all are what makes this operation go. If you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, I always forget to do this, Nick, but we're, we're on podcasts. So if you like Spotify, we're there for you. You like Apple. How about them apples? We're on Apple for you. Again, y'all make the show go. We appreciate you continuing to tune in with us every single week. And we're excited for what's to come. We're live Tuesday for Eastern, Thursday for Eastern. We're here for you. So, we're going to see y'all next time on Tuesday, and uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Jump in the chat and get involved with us there, and uh, let us know what else you want to see. All right? So until then, we're going to keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time.